What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today, we're taking a dive into the world of dashboard building. Startups may not always have the luxury of having a dedicated data analyst on staff, which means marketers may need to get more hands-on with some of their data. Yeah, I've definitely not had a a data analyst at my fingertips very often in my career. (laughs) I know in an earlier episode, we talked about marketing reporting and how you can use those key reports to kind of highlight the impact and find new opportunities. I think it was episode 38. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, But we're not talking about boring old reports here, are are we? We're talking about something else, right? That's right. Dashboards aren't really reports. Like I think you could say reports are part of dashboards. Dashboards are made up of different reports, different charts, but they're kind of like this living, breathing snapshot of key areas you want to keep an eye on in your business. I guess it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. We've talked a lot about in in our careers, at least about the difference between reports and dashboards and charts, Um, but it's confusing, right? So where do you think marketers should be starting? Yeah, like there's so many charts, right? Like scatter plots, bar chart, pie chart, maps, like whatever. There's a bunch of charts and visualizations at your kind of disposal when you're designing your dashboard. And that's what a lot of people kind of start with. But I actually don't think that this is where marketers should start if you're kind of tasked with uh, building a dashboard. So here's today's main takeaway. When designing a dashboard, it's important to focus on the decisions you want to make rather than just the metrics you want to track. And before building your dashboard, I'd say consider your audience and bring together the right people to answer key questions that your bosses care about, the business cares about. This will help you create a prototype for your first version. So that's that's kind of like where uh, the, the thesis of, of this episode, if you will, like uh, dashboard projects are, are kind of close to both of our hearts, right? Like both having worked at Clipfolio, Dashboard SaaS for startups and, and SMBs. Uh, we spent a fair amount of our time researching and, and yourself uh, writing about the internal dashboard building process is obviously like a critical collaboration piece to this, right? Like you're not always building stuff for yourself. Like a lot of people care about like the same metrics, the whole idea around OKRs. Um, but, you know, uh, that would be an initial starting point, like the the collaboration piece there for anyone taking on a dashboard project, right? Yeah, good dashboards take a village to build. And, and you know, you hit on one thing at the beginning there that I think is really important, which is designing your dashboard around the decisions you want to make and how you want to make those decisions, like with the frequency of them. So it's a lot, it's a lot to talk about those people and make sure that they're going to be satisfied with what you're building and not building this in a vacuum. Um, Phil, I know you've got some interesting projects recently under your belt around dashboard buildings. What are some of the questions you should be asking as a marketer to get started? Yeah, so questions before building, before you start creating any any charts or stuff like that. I feel like the first question to tackle as a team is maybe something like, what metrics would you look at on a regular basis uh, to measure the performance of your team and determine areas of improvement or areas of growth? Um, so yeah, like I, I like that starting spot, like the people that are kind of going to be in the room as well, like what metrics do we all care about the most? Yeah. And just taking a template of other people's metrics, isn't going to get you very far. Like 
I think ultimately what you're saying is this entirely depends on your team goals and the top priority metrics that you've at a group selected. Yeah. Um, and these goals inform you on how to prioritize and the different views and metrics and even the data that's flowing into your dashboard. Um, you know, when you're thinking about at the outset of the project, how do you kind of look at that initial group of stakeholders? Like how do you select them and how do you plan to interact with them as you're building the dashboard? Yeah, this will obviously be a bit different at every different size of, of company you're kind of part of, but I, I kind of see them largely in like these three big groups of stakeholders. Uh, the first one is going to be like your end users, like the main viewers of your dashboard who will be digesting and kind of regularly looking at the dashboard that you end up building. Um, then there's kind of like this bucket of marketing ops and data operations or data engineering. Uh, what resources do you have um, available to you to kind of help you build uh, the dashboard itself, kind of wrangle the models and like all the sources of data and bringing it into one spot? Um, and you could say maybe there's like a, a third uh, stakeholder group in there, like a, the designer and kind of the, the point person there who's scoping out the dashboard, uh, driving the project management piece of it, uh, especially in, in larger teams, um, but essentially like designing the end uh, dashboard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in startup land, you're often all three of those people and, and bundled into one. So <laughs> yeah. getting those conversations out there and, and being able to talk with your stakeholders, like we always talked about, you know, uh, napkin scratches on the back of uh, your hand, even just to get something started. So I know you've gotten a taste of both. So maybe walk people a little bit through, through what it looks like. Yeah, it's kind of like wishful thinking. Like if you're in a startup right now and you're listening to me, like mention those three stakeholder groups and you're like, um, yeah, I'm basically building this for myself, maybe my boss, like I'm the main viewer and I don't have a marketing ops team or a data ops team. Like I'm, I'm wearing that hat and I'm the point person on, on this project here. Like, um, yeah, this is going to be a lot different in, in, in small teams than, than bigger teams. Uh, mm -hmm. but I think regardless, it's important to get a lay of the land first. Like you're not going to be the only person looking at that dashboard. And if you are like, you probably don't need to spend a whole ton of time, uh, actually building, uh, like a process out and like nailing the stakeholders and, and whatever, like we're basically walking you through, like if you were to build something that was showcasing to the rest of the company or to key stakeholders on your team, how you're performing, like what impact are you having and like mm -hmm. where areas of opportunity and stuff like that. Like there's a bigger conversation. Like we said, like there's a village piece to, to doing this properly. So let's put like the audience in that footsteps. You're director of life cycle and you're tasked out with building a life cycle uh, dashboard. Walk us through the process, Phil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Life cycle is a, a good kind of spot to, to use as an example, actually, because it's, um, it's pretty broad in, in some cases, like touches a lot of the different parts of marketing. So we can use it as kind of goalposts uh, to unpack some of the stuff that we want to cover in this, in this episode. So uh, yeah, let's say your, your goal with these questions is to figure out what metrics you care about the, the most, right? Like, and you're asking these questions, not just yourself, like everyone else kind of involved in the process there. Um, but potentially like getting a benchmark and establishing a goal for each of these metrics uh, as you're kind of like picking which one are the most important ones um, and kind of seeing how they've been trending over time. So like uh, for life cycle, uh, as an example, like depending on, on your company, like asking yourself, like what kind of current uh, segment or uh, vertical data you have on signups? Uh, are there specific like areas that you want to grow or are there specific spots that you want to kind of like uncover are like 
IT professionals performing better than like financial folks that are signing up for your product, for example. Uh, if you're doing lead scoring um, on sign-up events, uh, pre and, and before conversion, um, those are really cool things to kind of like use to segment and, and cut up uh, different parts of your, your dashboards. Are you collecting that information? Um, I love like in the lifecycle landscape, this idea of like activation rates after signup. So after that first email, um, what's kind of like your deliverability rate on that first email? Um, how many people are signing up after the first one? Like that, the type of like activation rate throughout the funnel. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of other ones, right? Like we, we had a full episode on, uh, on life cycle, um, as kind of like this journey that marketers can take on and having like status labels that, uh, you're currently using, everyone's using a bit different flavors of, of labels, but, um, getting a, a lay of, of those as you're kind of like building out a life cycle dashboard, for example, um, would be super important. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I just want to follow up question for you on this, Phil is, um, you know, as you're digging through this, you're often uncovering areas where maybe you don't have information. So like it almost becomes a fact finding or a gut check time. Like if I'm looking to get segment vertical data, but I don't collect this data anywhere and it doesn't exist on any profile in my database, how are we going to get this data? So sometimes we're actually using the dashboard as a forcing function for other marketing activities and operations functions. And yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And like, if you don't have the data right now, or it's not something you're doing, like lead scoring, for example, like that, it's just helping you like prioritize, uh, like what metrics you care about the most right now. And it also helps you identify some of those gaps. Like you said, like maybe we should be doing some of this stuff there. So yeah, yeah it's a, yeah, it's a good force and function. Yeah. And I mean, just finding out what fits on that first prototype. So walk us a little bit about the metrics that you would recommend people considering in the first prototype, or maybe the way to think about the metrics that go on that, that first prototype. Yeah. So the phase of like picking what metrics you should consider for the first prototype is um, it's kind of about like spending time understanding what are the most important things to monitor, like keep an eye on, like some of the stuff you care about might just be a report. Like it doesn't have to be dynamic. You don't need to like see real time data when you're opening it up. So like really asking yourself, like, what are the most important things I need to monitor and like figure out what that time window is of how often you want to monitor monitor it um, and, and like kind of give ourselves time to explore different ideas before rolling out a finished dashboard. So, you know, like some of the core areas for going back to the lifecycle dashboard example for um, like this is kind of an easy example because lifecycle, so to speak, is looking across the funnel. So, you know, this would be different if you're just focused on acquisition or like expansion or whatever, you could dive deeper and slice up different metrics. Um but for lifecycle, like we could be looking at like uh, across the funnel, right? So like signups, signups by segment, like we said, vertical signups by lead source. We could have like um, activation rates. Like did they do something in your product that you care about? Like when I was at WordPress, like we really focused on getting people to publish their website, like is one of our key um, product indicators. Um at Clipfolio, I think it was like sharing one of your dashboards or, or something like that. Like every team has this kind of idea of like, what is that one activation uh, metric or indication that you're trying to push users to, uh, but like looking at behaviors uh, downstream as well, like your, your free trials, if that's kind of your model, what are they doing? How many of them are, are actually active and, and doing uh, stuff that is going to lead them to be successful? 
and you can keep going uh, down the line here, right? Like all the way down to like revenue impact, uh, conversions from free to, to paid plans, uh, upgrades, plan breakdowns, like who picks what plan. All that fun stuff. Uh, there's there's no shortage of metrics, especially on lifecycle. But I think like that that applies to um, everyone in, in marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a lot. Obviously, like how how does a prioritization, you know, step work? Like I feel like you, and we've seen this a lot in our in our careers and in my own dashboard building, and I'm sure in yours, where it's almost like okay, let's just sketch it out and get all of the possibilities out there. But then you know, that seeking phase where you get lots of questions from C levels, like, what does this mean? And can I trust the data? Like, so how do you whittle this all down into like a really focused strategic dashboard? Yeah, this can go off the rails uh, pretty quickly for sure. Um, But I think like going back to the main takeaway of our episode, right? Like um, when you're designing this dashboard, it's very easy to like come up with like everything that you could track. But what we're kind of like honing this idea on is that it's important to focus on the decisions that you want to make as a business Mm -hmm. rather than like all the shit that you want to track. So how do we do that is like the easier said than done a little bit. Like just, just focus on the decisions you want to make. Like, what does that actually look like practically? Like something we want to keep in mind as we kind of like narrow the list down of metrics, like you're, you're going through them one by one and you're kind of deciding like, um, how closely tied is this to like one of our core team goals? And like, is this uh, an important metric that's going to be part of that decision, whether like we hit that metric or not? So like, without like, maybe we can do a separate episode on on OKRs and and KRs there. But like, the goal of uh, our example dashboard, for example, is to monitor the lifecycle marketing performance and identify growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's like the decision that we're trying to make, like what is working, what isn't working, and where do we have kind of areas to to optimize there? So that means answering questions like, uh, are we improving signup engagement and conversions over time? Uh, Are specific segments or campaign driving better conversion rates than, than some of the other ones that we're seeing, um, those questions are related to metrics and they will help you figure out, um, how to make the decisions that you're trying to make. Like, where do we want to focus our time on? Like, should we double down and kill this experiment? Are there specific campaigns that are doing better than others? Those are like the important, uh, questions that you should be asking. So like, ultimately the focus of the dashboard from a lifecycle perspective could be like, focusing on on signups to activated uh trials right like for wordpress like people that publish the site what's the activation rate there that could be like one of the core metrics maybe a, a leading indicator of like revenue down the line potentially also like signups to upgrade uh, upgraded sites right like people that ended up uh, a free trial portfolio ended up like converting to a paid customer what does that conversion rate look like um how can you break that down into a couple areas maybe like by days how long it took them to kind of convert so yeah that's that's how i would kind of approach it um there's obviously like an organizational piece to this and like a team goal piece to this but like yeah, you have to narrow it down to like, what are the key metrics that are actually going to be indicators of like the goals that help you identify if you're doing well or not and where you should invest more of your time. 
another way to <clears throat> that in my past I've found it's helpful for prioritizing what's on the dashboard is the the type of decision making that you need to do. Right, there's lifecycle reporting which looks at your month end, how many MQLs did you generate, how many SQLs, what are your conversion rates. Like this is documenting what's happening in the systems and isn't going to change a whole lot month to month. Whereas dashboarding, yeah, you you definitely can get some of that reporting aspect in there. Uh, but dashboarding also has this connotation of real-time or near real-time data inputs so that mm -hmm. you're continuously making decisions and vetting your decisions on almost daily doses of, of data. Like if your data doesn't have that kind of frequency or, or necessity to watch at that kind of level, you might be able to pull it out of the dashboard, keep the visualizations a little simpler, less is more in some cases. Like I love the example of being able to tell if a test is working or not. Like you have this data history component in there. So you have the trends over time. You can make decisions if you see something going weird, uh, coming outside of a normal variance. So I think that's really interesting to pull that point out. Um, but a lot of this also has to do with the types of data visualizations and charts that you, you choose. So, um, you know, what have you found in your experience works for, for choosing chart types and, and how do you kind of make those data visualization choices when, again, you're wearing three hats and one of them's not a designer, like I'm not a designer at all. So I'm very curious on how you, you approach it. Yeah, obviously like making something nice and, and easy to digest is um, like one of the core pieces of uh, designing a, a nice chart, so to speak, but there's so many charts like to choose from. Um, and like, you know, as a marketer, if you don't have like a, an analyst or a stats background there, like it's, it's easy to get lost in the world of like scatter plots and pie charts and funnels and box plots. There's a bunch of different uh, chart types and, and visualization at your disposal across all these like dashboarding tools, um, when you're kind of designing your dashboard, but, um, this isn't actually where you should start, right? Like that's kind of the focus of, of the episode here. Um, but when you get to that stage, um, and you're kind of like asking yourself, um, like what chart should I be picking, uh, for the specific metric or, or for this like, um, decision that we're trying to make or the question that we're trying to answer. Um, data school actually has a really cool chart on this that I've used a, a bunch of times in, in my career. And we'll put that in the, in the show notes on the, uh, the episode page. It's basically like a, a flow chart that um, helps you like pick your your chart type. Um, dis, do you like do you want to display a single value or multiple values? If you're only trying to show a single value, some of the chart types are just like uh, compare with a goal, uh, increase or decrease compared to like a certain other moment in time, or just showing the value right now as it stands. But if you're trying to show multiple values, they have like a different step, and that opens the world to like a bunch of other plot types there, like relationships are kind of more related to scatter plots and bubble charts. If you're showing like competition, like which salesperson is doing better or like um, which category of lead score is generating uh, better revenue, uh, you're looking at like pie charts or area charts, comparisons uh, versus like composition is, is very interesting there. Like whether you pick a pie chart or a bar chart, um, that kind of comes up to like, are you trying to show like how something is made up of or are you trying to like compare one item to the other? And then there's like a whole like distribution uh, side of things like in, in the life cycle, you're definitely going to be using funnel charts to kind of show where people are in, in the specific stage in the funnel. 
So yeah, like when you talk about AB, uh, AB tests and experiments, you're kind of talking about box plots here. So like, this is a really cool way of like taking a stab at, like, instead of just looking at all the chart types and like, shit, all right, I want to show like lead score uh, breakdown. Like, where do I start here? Like, is this going to be a bubble chart, like a box plot? Like, okay, what I'm basically doing is trying to show the composition of the lead score model that we have right now. And like data school has like a line there, multiple values, composition. You should be looking at like an area chart or a pie chart potentially. So it, it's kind of like a cool way to, to kind of get started there. But, you know, choosing the right chart type is an important step in the process of, of designing your dashboard, but it isn't everything. You can always like switch up the chart type. Like I know um, I'm using Looker right now. Um, at my current startup, um, I use Clipfolio, I use Databox, like all these tools make it really easy for you to just like, uh, you know what, like, I don't like this current chart, like, I'm just gonna like switch it up. But yeah. like, choosing the wrong chart tarp could potentially lead to, to confusing or kind of like misinformation. So it's important to consider, uh, like we said, like the, the goal of, of what you're trying to convey here, who your audience is, who's going to be uh, digesting this information there. Cause um, yeah, you, you can screw this part up for sure. Uh, and it might seem uh, unwieldy at first when you're looking at all the, the chart types, but um, yeah, there's a lot of like guides and, and charts on like um, how to pick the right ones for your metrics. I know when I first started marketing, I wouldn't have thought that I would have to know the different types of charts that you can use and data visualizations, the implications for readability and usability. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of thought process that can go, go behind uh, choosing a data visualization and getting it right. Um, I think for our users, breaking it down to uh, that feedback stage, right? Like if you're going out and you're getting real live feedback on, on your dashboard, like through a virtual call or in person from other people, you'll, you'll have an intuitive sense, I think, of where you're hitting your right charts and not hitting yeah. your right charts. The other thing that like I see more and more on dashboard design tools is, is just adding text. Like it's, it's okay to define something if you need to, or add call out text or, you know, uh, throw a sticky note on the TV dashboard with this is what this means. Like, I think there's an education piece that goes along with this as well for, for an entire organization, even though we all like grew up with the charts and like, you know, you know, they exist, um, you know, having, having a decision between a funnel chart or a box chart, if you're not really sure of where to start, like starting simple, start with text, start with numbers, start with questions and get feedback on, on what you're displaying. Yeah, that's a great call out. Um, and, and like every company is going to have a different definition of a certain metric, right? Like everyone loves to to customize it. Uh, like at Clifford, I remember we had like this idea of a true trial, like someone who actually did something after they started their trial. Um, at my current startup, like we we have a bunch of internal definitions because there's a, a whole different slew of like uh, healthcare specific applications for some mm -hmm. of our metrics. So in Looker, we actually have like a, a data dictionary that you can link to from a dashboard. So if I'm looking at like number of registrations per day, and then I look at like a funnel that shows me like um, completion rate for a certain program, like I'm just like, oh, what is completion rate again? I can click on that metric that's on like the X axis and it goes to the data dictionary and there's like a definition of exactly what the completion rate is the time span that someone can kind of hit that um but yeah the annotations piece of uh designing a dashboard is uh yeah super useful for especially people that weren't part of like the design process that kind yeah. of are familiar with the metrics um the whole point of designing a dashboard is like you have an intended audience but you're also kind of like 
making it public in a sense and allowing other people from different departments to kind of like cross pollinate and, and add some ideas and, and look at other stuff. So yeah, love annotations to kind of like help people figure out what the hell they're looking at. Well, the last point I'll make is it kind of connects the the dots to the beginning of the process. The beginning of the process is trying to figure out what decisions and what actions do you want to take based on this data? Um, do you have the data in place to make it happen? If not, you're going to have to put that in place. And then at the other side is checking that the data makes sense and that it makes, you know, it actually follows through on that action. Like too, too often we build things and think, okay, I built a dashboard and you sent a link and now it's, it's perfect. Right. And it's never viewed ever again. Like having, having the adoption piece is really important and, you know, inviting that feedback and not building in a vacuum. This is, this is how you build great dashboards. Yeah, definitely. And like, to your point, like you've got all these people kind of involved in the process. How do you ensure that people are actually going to be using the dashboard or, or kind of look at it? You spend all this time kind of like drafting it up. Um, that's where this idea of a prototype comes in, right? So like after you've, you've picked your metrics and you kind of like started putting stuff together, whether you're doing that yourself or, or you're getting some help in there, if you want people to actually be using the dashboard, like after you've ID'd or identified those stakeholders that you've like chatted with about like, what are the questions we're trying to answer or whatever, like you've involved them in the design process. So like maybe you did a first draft of the prototype on a napkin or uh, in a whiteboarding tool and you sent it over to them, you got like feedback from them after you've put together something in Looker or Clipfolio, you're, you're sending it to them to tests, like validate with whatever sources they're using right now to see if the data is at least closely matching up like we know in, in GA4 and, and other sources right now like that's that's a bit of a pain but like involve the stakeholders in in that that process involve them in testing involve them in that QA piece of it um, they're going to feel a lot more empowered and they're going to get a chance to like give you feedback on on what to change and increases the potential that they're going to be using it because there's nothing worse than having an analyst on staff who just like build something without you really like requesting it. And they're just like, Hey, like, what do you think of this? And you just never use it because you didn't ask for it. You weren't involved in the process of like building it in the first place. Yeah. There's far worse things to be on a marketing team than the data person, right? Like the data person on the marketing team is always, always a very important position. And you don't have to be a data analyst to be a data person. You can just be in command of the metrics and understand how they're populated to work with the teams to build that data pipeline. Um, you know, if you're working with the stakeholders, I mean, there's there's a career growth component here for sure. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I feel like we could like this is obviously like nice and and simple. Uh, in in reality, like the the piece of like figuring out okay, how do I actually build this dashboard? Um, like the from a practical sense, like how do I come up with the data sources? Like building data models, like what are the what's the potential? What where am I limited in terms of like creating stuff here? Um. I want to do like a full different uh, deep dive on that. Um, I want to do that episode uh, in the future. So maybe we can kind of like uh, close the bookend on on this one here and kind of have it focused on just like um, how do you kind of like draft up that like collaborative process of, of putting the dashboard together. So I'll, I'll end on, on this. Like um, you heard it here first, folks, the building a great team dashboard is like constructing a towering skyscraper, right? Like there's a lot of people involved in that process. It takes a village of skilled and dedicated workers to 
maybe lay the foundation, raise the walls, finish the details. Just as the skyscraper can't really stand on its own, the team dashboard needs a diverse and talented team to make it functional, useful, and beautiful. So we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Humans of Martech.